You're listening to TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise, where we are committed to bringing you to the other side, taking you from dreams to possibilities and on to reality. Listen in on talks for business and life coaching starting right now with your host, Tiffany Rufino. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to TOSE, The Other Side Enterprise. We appreciate you being here and subscribing and sharing our podcast with your loved one and friends. I am Tiffany Rufino, and I am here with the nebula to my podcast, Jeffrey Rufino. Say hi, Jeff. Hello, everybody. Hey. How's it going out there in uh, podcast land, I guess? Everybody in podcast land is shucking their cuffs at the moment. So let's get on to it. Today's episode is called How to Catch a Falling Star. And in reference to stars, we're talking about your team, your employees. So this part of the podcast, which we may make a part two series is really for anyone who's in leadership, whether you're an entrepreneur, a leadership in your household, a leadership at, you know, your career, at your job, at your place of business. And we're going to kick it off with a quote to um, kind of initiate the conversation. This is starting to be like a, a theme. Yeah, I like the quote theme. Yeah. Yeah. So this one, the first one we have is from David Horsager, and it says, you can have a compelling vision rock-solid strategy, excellent communication skills, innovative insight, and a skilled team. But if people don't trust you, you will never get the results you want. Okay. So with that, um, I think that that brings us back to how the other side enterprise became the other side enterprise, taking people from where you currently are to what the other side could possibly be. Because I think as humans, we always look at the grass is greener. We can't help but compare our, you know, movie reel to someone's highlight reel, you know, and always seeing like opportunities where I could be better, greater, different than I am now. It's not that we ever look at ourselves and say, okay, how can I be this a shittier version of me today? Right. (laughs) You know, we don't look at somebody's lawn that's all torn up and say, man, I really wish I had that. You know, I, I really wish I could just sitting shit all day so with that um you know i think the intention well i know the intention of the other side of enterprise was to have a solid team that is innovative that has strategy that can communicate with each other with no emotions involved as far as you know like our communication is to not have a uh a team that is built on gossip. It's built on honesty and looking to only grow each other, not cutthroat each other and to trust each other with that. And, and the roles that we have, you know, like the strategy side, the coaching side, the training side, the tech side, people that are on that side, it's almost as though they are entrepreneurs of that division of the star, right? So for you, for example, Jeff, you are over the technology and project management piece, right? So yeah. my role as the the leader of, of the other side enterprise is to trust you because I... I have you as my partner in this because I know you have those skills, you have the strategy, you have the communication, you clearly have the innovation, and you are highly skilled. I can't like stress that enough. So I have to trust you to be able to take on that role, right? So when a leader does that and they build a team of amazing people, then it's a mindset shift for the leader to, okay, I have all these people that know how to do exactly what needs to be done. How do I lead them and not manage them? And how do I keep my stars so that they're always shining and they're not 
a shooting star or a falling star. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I think classifies somebody as a falling star is somebody who is maybe not performing at their best, whether it comes to their results or it comes to even their attitude, Um, you know, showing up at work or showing up with that same passion to innovate, that same skill set that they had, if not greater, uh, or their communication skills or even, you know, the inspiration behind strategies. And I want to talk about why that happens and what can a leader do to spot it and see if we can course correct so that uh, we can move forward from it or find out what the next step is. And I know that when I brought this idea up to you, you had some questions and thoughts around this as too. So I'm, I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very I'm going to probably be the devil's advocate for this episode because I'm very old school. I'm not used to leaders. I'm used to managers. Um, a lot of the organizations that I've worked for have been organizations based on management. So when I think of a falling star and I think of somebody I, I when you say falling star, I think of somebody who is not embodying the culture of my organization not living up to the standards of the organization rather than thinking it from the other perspective of the somebody. other side you mean <laughs> <laughs> roll credits um from but from the perspective of maybe somebody who is not as inspired right so i i think of the old school you're at work you're getting paid do your job that mm-hmm. old mentality mm-hmm. and so when you think about somebody who is a falling star, somebody who is uh, maybe losing their uh, their inspiration, maybe they're not um, motivated to to move along with the organization, move forward, uh, get to that next level. I start thinking: Is the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to uh, saving that person versus? Just finding somebody else. So that's what that's what my perspective is. And, you know, when, when we have had conversations about that, I've had a lot of questions. So that's where that's where I'm coming from. I want to I want to change my perspective if possible. So one of the things that I heard you say was, is the juice worth is the juice worth the squeeze? Yeah. Right. So that's that's a great point that you bring up, because the first thing is, is that when you pick this lemon, Right. Because it could be a lemon or it could be a lime. It could be an orange, whatever, whatever you picked. Right. You picked it for a reason. So you have to go back to what did I see in this person when I brought them onto my team? Now, that's only if you are either an entrepreneur or you had the ability to hire this person. And that's different than inheriting a person. Yeah. Right. So let's go with the thought that you went ahead and you were the person that hired whoever you're trying to get the squeeze out of <laughs> for lack of a better phrase, no Joe Biden um, intentions oh, there. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so the first issue I have with that is why are we squeezing this person? Because before you get to that point, there has to be conversations that happen first. Okay. Right. So if you're trying to get like the last drop that this person is either mentally drained, exhausted, or they're not um, performing at their greatest or whether it's work wise or, just emotional, social mission statement value skills, there should be a conversation that happens before that where you address, hey, this is what I've noticed. This is what I'm seeing. This is different than how it was. Here's why. Stating facts, 
not stating like, I think this, or I feel this, or I feel that. It's specifics. You used to come into work like this. Now you're coming into work like this. What's going on? What could I help you with? Let's open the door to communication. And the environment that you create that conversation is is crucial too. Because if you do this, whether you're in retail and you're doing it on the floor in front of other people, you're not going to get that open conversation. If you're doing this in an office environment in someone's cubicle, you're not going to get that open conversation because people have ears and listen and love to gossip. And the most important person in this conversation is the person that you were trying to catch. Right. And the another piece that I just shared there is really important, too, is that you still have an opportunity if they're falling. But once they're fallen, I think that's where the opportunity is lost. OK, so and so I think. What you're what you're talking about is being able to identify where in the trajectory they are. Are they yeah. still in orbit? Are they still out, you know, up and shining? Are they on their way down or are they past that little demarcation line where, you know, it's a wrap, basically? Yeah. And if you've been on the journey with this person since they were hired, shame on you if you missed an opportunity to stop somebody to start that decline, because any behavior is an invitation for a conversation. And you taught me that. Yeah. Anytime you witness somebody doing something positive, something that's like above and beyond that is completely wowing you, wowing your team or wowing <sighs> your guests or going like to a delight factor or a surprise factor or just like, oh, you made my day. That was amazing. That's an invitation for you to address them and celebrate them and appreciate them just as equally as you would for an opportunity. Not something that they did wrong, but an opportunity to be greater or to take it from eh to yes. Right. So if somebody is not operating within the values, within the mission statement, within just a general human decency aspect, that is always an invitation as a leader that you have to RSVP to and have a conversation with. Now, my thoughts are is that that conversation shouldn't happen in front of other people because that's where the ego gets defended in that other people are seeing me being either admonished or celebrated because some people don't like to be celebrated in other in front of other people um that's the opportunity as a leader for you to take this person out for coffee step outside you know just away from the norm from whatever environment you're used to working in together and just having a one-on-one honest conversation about where this person's at. Now, going back to the quote, if people don't trust you, you're not, never going to get the results you want. And that's the same thing in the conversation. So if they don't trust you in your role as their leader, then they're not going to trust you when they tell you or when you ask them, hey, what's going on? They're not going to trust that your intentions are pure. I can... I can co-sign to that. I've been in, involved with leaders that, or managers that I trust. I've been, um, I've worked for managers that I 100% do not trust. And more the latter, unfortunately, than the former. And when you're in front of somebody who you don't trust and they ask you, how are things? You have a <laughs> tendency to say, fine, a lot. You, right. you say, I'm good. Everything is okay. And you don't really feel free to air any grievances, even if it's a small one, even if it's a small one. Like my schedule was I used to start at 1130. Now, all of a sudden, you want me here at 11. That half hour difference probably means nothing to the company. Like 
they can, oh, okay, we'll just come in at 1130. If it's that big a deal, we'll make it up. But if you don't air it out, that can fester. Mm-hmm. And it could start into, well, first they changed my schedule. And then they wanted me to work on a Thursday, and I never work Thursdays. And then they wanted me to do this, and, and it builds. And then they took my stapler. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen my stapler? <laughs> I haven't seen my paycheck. Where's my paycheck, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, and I think addressing the little things not that you have to micromanage someone's emotions or someone's, you know, gripe about having a pencil that's not as sharp as it used to be. It's a matter of, is this the same person that I saw on my team when I first started or that I first hired? And if it's not, then you have to do a self-reflection as a leader as to what change did I have with this person did I stop the way that I spoke with them you know when I brought them on was I super engaging did I commit to everything that I promised them as far as their onboarding and as far as where I was going to take them from here once I either took over the team or once I started the team what influence do I have on their emotions am I coming into work in a bad mood am I complaining too much to this person am I not making the environment a positive one the leader has the influence over all of that. So you have to do a self audit, which we talked about the last podcast on episode three. Um, And I think once you do that, then you can either apologize and own it before you start that conversation with your your employee, or your team member or your star, and start it off with those intentions of look, you know, I've been coming into work and I I realize that every time I come into work, I have something to complain about, whether it's the coffee not being right or the traffic being crazy or my cell phone not working right. Like I never start off the day on a good foot and I didn't realize that I've been creating this environment of like every day is a Monday, quote unquote. And um, I I just wanted to call that out and, and apologize for that. And along with that, I noticed that it's had some sort of effect in our team. And I just wanted to pull you aside and see what I could do better as a leader for you to keep you inspired, keep you engaged and keep you motivated. And if there's something else that's going on that, um, you know, you want to share with me in order to make this a greater place to be, I'm opening the door now for that communication and this door will, will forever stay open. Okay. So what I'm hearing is you have a lot of accountability. You're, you're owning your part. You know, uh, I think of Remember the Titans where they said attitude reflects leadership. Mm-hmm. And then you're also, I think the intention being pure is important. There are a lot of managers out there that care more about how, how the performance of their team reflects on their, um, on them rather than how they can help their team perform better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, there are managers out there that are constantly padding their resume. Like when you do something, the only reason they care about you doing something is because it, it makes them look good and they can add something, another notch on their belt. Right. And employees notice that. Yeah. And I think it's a matter of how do you set your team up to know what your intentions are and why you're a leader because at the end of the day you chose to be a leader nobody gets really put into a leadership position without opening the door to be in a leadership position so you're either applying for it or you're going for it or you're demonstrating the skills and someone comes along and says have you ever thought about leadership and you make that choice of 
is this my choose my own adventure and I want to open the door on the left or do I want to go to the door on the right and just focus on me and not lead a team? So going into that, um, our next quote from the Vienna blog is the best leader is the one who has a sense to surround himself with outstanding people and self-restraint not to meddle with how they do their jobs. That's beautiful. I think the important part in here, well, there's two, right? There's a self-restraint and there's the meddle with how they do their jobs. And this goes back to, I think, episode one, where we talked about interviewing people, putting the right people in the right position for the job that they're in and setting them up for success in that you may get it done in a nine to three. It doesn't mean that you have to stay till five if you got everything done on purpose in a purposeful way. Right. So I may take roads A to B to C to D to E in order to get the job done. Whereas, Jeff, you might go ahead and just go from A to E because you have a, a more efficient way of doing it because this is the role that was made for you. And that doesn't mean that I have to meddle with you and say, but you forgot B, C, D, da, 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 da. Right. Like you didn't have to show your work because you were able to get from A to E and you did it efficiently. And that's what you do when you pick people to be on your team. And that's what attracts people to be on your team is because you trust them to meet the standard or go above and beyond the standard because you've inspired them and motivated them and trusted them and empowered them to do what they were made to do. And if they're passionate, they feel like they have some skin in the game. They yeah. feel they feel like it's more of an accomplishment of themselves rather than they're just feeding a, a machine. Right. And it's not that as a leader, you're sitting back having somebody feed you grapes and fanning you with fig tree leaves, you know, while the team is busting their ass doing things. It's how are you leading them? And going to the next step when they've accomplished what they set out to do and how are you leading them to their next goal, whether it's in the workforce or whether it's in their personal life, what are you doing to sustain why they're here? And even if regardless of what the job is, people can work anywhere. I'm not saying people can find a job everywhere. I'm just saying people can work anywhere. They could work at a fast food place. They could work at a bank. They could work at retail in a clothing store or you know, a department store, whatever the case may be, but they walked into your place of business looking for a job and you <clears throat> saw something in them that could bring something to the team. Now, if you hired them because you needed a breathing person and it wasn't because of the conversation that you had with them, then shame on you. Yeah, that that actually brings to light what um, in the process Pretty much every situation where you have somebody in a spot that shouldn't be there, I mean, you can't control every situation, right? But you can probably trace it back to maybe a step in either the hiring process, the training process, or just the cultivation process, just uh, helping your employees grow, that maybe something was missed. Every now and again, you do have your, you know, we say skill versus will. You, you do have people who maybe they told you what you wanted to hear in an interview, right? Or um, The wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. they. Uh, but people will only tell you what you want to hear when you let them. Okay, I'm listening. So people will only tell you what you want to hear when you let them. And that's when something they say clicks with what you hoped they would say. 
And if you don't dig into why they said that answer, then your effect will come to fruition. So if, you know, they're saying everything that you put out on your indeed.com, I'm searching for da 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 da, which I already spoke about in episode one about, you know, my pet peeves with hiring somebody that fits the mold versus having the mold fit the person, then you're going to get exactly what you looked for as somebody who's going a checklist and they're just going over the points that you picked out, but they're not going into the finer detail. That's what I think about. So, Jeff, if you were to ask me, so why are you interested in being a part of the other side enterprise? And I said, because I'm looking for a group of leaders that work together as a team and they have the organization of a star. That's fantastic. That's exactly what we're looking for. You're hired, right? Like there's no substance to what I said. Let's explore that. Yeah, let's let's dig a little deeper into that. So what makes you interested in something like that? Tell me about an experience that either helped you realize that or that um, made you feel that that was the direction you wanted to go into or, or whatever the case may be. Just have them explain more instead of giving that high level answer. You know, something else that uh, that comes to mind is even if your hiring process is shoddy, um, you know, on when I have conversations about not business matters and I and I talk to a lot of my guy friends that have uh, issues with relationships outside of business. I say treat relationships like a business and they look at me funny. And part of that is there's warning signs in your out of work relationships with your friends, with uh, potential significant others. There's warning signs that pop up. There's never a surprise when somebody is acting crazy. And it's the same in business. And I and the reason I say that is because I refer it, you know, I, I, I relate those b- relationships to business relationships. So if you have somebody, you spend more time sometimes in your business with the people you work with than you do with the people you live with. And you can't have a poker face all the time. It's impossible. That's why you have to be authentic all the time. Yeah. So if you I have somebody, I hate the phrase. I drank the Kool Aid. First yeah. of all, it's associated with like a terrible situation that happened. <laughs> you know, drinking the Kool Aid. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, you know, um, so when you say that in relation to business, not you specifically, but just when people say that in general, in general, I drank the Kool Aid. Well, that means you just poison yourself to die for the life of the company on purpose and you made that choice and like, not, even, just... not even for the life of the company because let's be honest most companies that you work for unless you're working for like a three person you know organization if you work let's say you work at McDonald's if you left if everybody at your local McDonald's walked out at 8 o'clock in the morning and they left that McDonald's would be open again for lunch and we've watched that happen twice <laughs> <laughs> once here in our city mm-hmm. and then once on New Year's Eve and we pulled up side note sorry we're getting squirreled here but we pulled up to this McDonald's uh, after our New Year's Eve party and we were starving and we go there before we even say anything the girl comes on the uh, speaker and she sounds so stressed out and she's like before you start, we don't have any of these items. You can only order one meal, and we don't have any shakes. Our ice cream machine is broken. You can't order any of the breakfast items. And, um, yeah, that's about it. 
and there were <laughs> there were like but, two people working. I felt terrible for her. She was in tears. But the remarkable thing was that <laughs> even was though we, we kind of waited like a half hour, yeah. they still brought us food. There was, it was still open. And she was crying in the poor thing. And I'm like, listen, sweetheart, it's going to get better. It's just one night. And she's like, the people behind me were so mean. And I said, they're hangry. I said, but listen, you're not like you're just like, I can't believe you're coaching this girl. <laughs> like, do you remember that? Yeah, you're, like, I remember. you're like, <laughs> and I said, I can't drive away from here knowing that she's going to face these mean people behind us with tears in her eyes. Because, you know, at the end of the day, she can eat. She's she's fine because she could just go and grab a burger if she wants to. The people behind her are the ones that are hungry and probably should have a better attitude about the situation on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I mean, you made it another year. Congrats. The, the sun <laughs> did not explode right. and swallow the earth. Right. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. You should be happy. <laughs> but but the, the, to, to bring it back, the, the point is, if I'm working with somebody day in, day out, 40, 45, 50, 60 hours a week, and I can't notice in them that they want to, you know, I, I've gone to places where I sit down, I open my laptop. I start logging in and I haven't even finished typing my password and somebody's asking me, what are you doing for lunch? <laughs> that to me says, you don't give a fuck about your job. Like we're, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Like we haven't even started working. Let me ask you this. Are they your peer? Are they your leader or are they part of your team? In, in, in a lot of cases, it was people who were maybe unrelated to my team, just walking by, and they just know me. But at the end of the day, I don't think it really matters because, you know, uh, most most industries, regardless of what industry it is, it you could be a fry cook, you could be a custodian, you could be a database manager, you could be a doctor. Most industries nowadays are very competitive. And competitive means that, A, yes, you want to have passion for your job. And if you have passion for your job, that means you wake up thinking, how am I going to be better at the thing that I'm doing today? Right? How am I going to um, exceed expectations at what I'm doing today? And if you go into work distracted, that tells me you're probably not in the right mindset to be competitive and to to uh, to take your work to the next level. So I have to challenge you on something you said because I don't believe that being a peer, being a leader, or being the team player for a leader, that any of those roles would address that person the same way. Because as a peer, catching a falling star is different than as a leader catching a falling star is different than the team player catching the falling star. I'm with you. Yeah. Right. So in those conversations, a it's the leader's responsibility to lead this person to something greater mm -hmm. and lead them into the direction so that they're not going, you know, steam full speed ahead towards Earth, you know, to slam and then to combust. Although that's light years away, ideally. As a peer, I would think that depending on the relationship. It's uh, empathetic, sympathetic ear. I think you could play both sides of it. Oh, yeah. And you, you can know, call out the person a little differently, if, right? Be well, like, if, get your fucking shit together, John. If, like, somebody, if somebody comes up to me, I'm, 
and for for those that know me, I'm not I'm not a super people person. Um, so if somebody comes up to me and they say, "What are you having for lunch?" I'm probably going to give them some real quick two word answer to get them to where they need to go and go about my business. But in the back of my head, I'm thinking, how are you going to keep up with what my team's doing if your team is thinking about lunch? So you don't think that's forward thinking? (laughs) thinking about lunch at breakfast time that's when i usually say well i already had my lunch for breakfast (laughs) it's i mean it's it could be it could be um but you know i that's just how i think and it's the reason i think that way is because i'm always of the mindset that there's somebody around the corner that wants my spot but it's not the person that's asking about lunch oh no 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 right and the way that you respond would be different but them Asking about lunch lets me know that they're not—they're not after my spot. They're, you know, they're—that's they're, one less person to worry about, right? But that's not that falling star that I would worry about. That's well, somebody just, who's hungry that I'm worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just talking about warning signs. So it could be—it could be an innocuous. So when you question. ask me about lunch, that's a warning sign. Should it, I be aware? It very could, okay. very well could be. <laughs> um, but it could be something like ask, you know. Instead of worrying about work when you get in, worrying about something else. It could be something like not work like a few days in a row, not caring about coming in on time. Maybe you start with five. You know, it always starts with five minutes, right? Then it could be 10 minutes. And, you know. And you know why it goes to 10 minutes? Because nobody addressed them at the five minutes. Yeah, absolutely. Nobody said, hey, what's up? Everything okay? Mm hmm. And it. When you get away with the five minutes and you realize, hmm, nobody said a word. Nobody even asked how I was or why I was five minutes late. Let me see what happens when I go 10 minutes. When I was in my early 20s, I had a job where I didn't really care. I was basically working. You know, I was living with my parents. I was working for party money to go out on the weekends. And for me, it started with. Five it's minutes. Been Eighty-four years since then. Oh, I'm so old. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but for me at that point, it started with five minutes, and at the end, it went to I'm bringing in sports bottles with uh, Captain Morgan and <laughs> people clocking me in and out. Nobody cares because I'm doing a good job, but I'm not really doing a good job because nobody, you know, it started. But it's for me, it started with five minutes, and that was way back when. I'm I'm older and wiser now. I wouldn't I wouldn't let it get to that point. But that's not to say that you know other people in that are my age, other people that have my experience level, that can happen. Well, let me ask you this. You said I wouldn't let that get to that point. And do you mean that because in your role right now you have a part of leadership? Or do you mean, in general, regardless of what role that I have, I wouldn't let it get to that point? I have a different mindset now. My mindset is I need to kill everything. Um, so if I get into a role, and you know this, I'm, I'm obsessed with having... I don't send an email without three people... Uh, just an email to say hi. I don't send that bitch out without at least three people on my team if I that are available reading and proofreading it. Mm-hmm. Because I need my stuff to be impeccable now is that because you're passionate about what you do who you do it with who you do it for 
or both or all three? Rather? I think it's a combination of things. Yeah. I think it's a combination of all of those. Okay. Um, in general, I have that drive. I have that mentality. But um, you didn't always. No. And and if I wasn't if I was in a different situation where I wasn't doing something that I love to do or if I was with people that, you know, working with people that I didn't enjoy being around, I could definitely see myself taking my foot off the gas. So the environment is huge, right? Because the environment where people were accountable for you in the when you weren't in your best light, right? When you weren't clocking in and you had people clocking in for you, when you're bringing in the sports bottles of Captain Morgan, those people that you surrounded yourself with, friendship and work-wise, would you say that they are in your life now? Oh, no. So not, there's a big difference. Not a single one. And I think leaders that are listening, this is really important, right? Because you have somebody here that is, Jeff is capable, the potential that he had then, nobody could see that. Well, some people did. I saw it in him then, but the potential. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> that he has grown himself to and is still continuing to grow himself to at that point in time was affected by his environment. So Jeff was that star. Right. That became that falling star. And part of it was the environment that he was in. It was the lack of attention from leadership in addressing him and growing him. Whereas if they didn't give a shit about what he did, why should he? And the people around him that helped fulfill that message. Right. So his peers can be a, a huge part of the poison that helps someone's mindset trickle down. And Some of it falling. was also my own maturity level. Mm -hmm. I was in a different state then. My need like, I didn't have a need for that, for the job that I had at that time. But then why did you have it? Because it's what you, I'm, 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 I'm Dominican. That's what you do. You, you get a job, you go to work. I'm Italian. I've been working since I was 15. So yeah. there's, a, it doesn't matter what you are, but if you didn't need the job, why did you have it? Because it's what you do. So if I didn't have it, my, my dad would look at me funny. And what would your dad say? go to work right so you did it because you had to because you were living at your dad's house yeah. and in order to keep living at your dad's house you had to work yeah absolutely so it's it's not because you needed something to do it's because you had to do it you could have done that anywhere else but you chose to go to this place and do it oh yeah and and not for nothing the that that specific place the money was good for a you know 21 22 year old money was great um the schedule was flexible. I mean, there's there's a million benefits. Well, clearly, it was, it was flex flexible because <laughs> you made it flexible. <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, it you know, th there's a million benefits, but it it didn't take much. So a job. What I'm hearing you say is that the job could have everything, because most of that stuff is on paper, right? It could have the best schedule, the best benefits. It could be in the greatest environment. It's a quick trip from home to work and back, and I'm making good money at it. However, with all that stuff, you still made a choice. Not that I'm trying. I'm, I'm just showing how a star employee can fall very quickly. Right. No matter what you offer, it can still all fall depending on the environment and lack of leadership. It all comes down to the leader. Yeah. Because everything looks great on paper and you could offer everything that somebody says they need out of a company in that interview. That lemon that you first picked and they said all the great things that you have. But the moment that you stopped giving that intention or that growth as a leader is when that person starts coming in late, starts bringing in sports cups of Captain Morgan. I mean, this is ex a little I actually bit extreme. Have a, you know what? I have a better example. I, wor I, had a, uh, I had worked at McDonald's for a while. 
very, very early, right? And um, during the summer, I wanted to leave the job. And I said, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. But they needed bodies. So what they said was, you work the lunch shift Monday through Friday, 12 to 3, 12 to 3, 12 to 3. We'll pay you as if you were here 12 to 5. And I said, seriously? For real? Like, so People I can do that. <laughs> I can sleep in, come get here at 12, maybe get here at 11.55 and you pay me till 5 and I only have to work till 3 and then I just, I'm out? Hell yeah, I'm going to do that. Do you think I gave a fuck about that job? Hell no. But what it showed was they didn't give a fuck about you either. Yeah, I mean, well, what it, I guess what it showed was that they were desperate for bodies and they... I guess they didn't have as much of a um, a care for the standard of... It wasn't what you brought to the team at that time. It wasn't your leadership. It wasn't the fact that you made the environment fun or that you were top-notch at what you were doing at the time. It was, we need somebody here to take orders. Are you willing? Cool, let's put you in the spot. And none of that had to do with who you were as a person. It was just a matter of, we need a number on the floor. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the feeling that I had. I was glad to get the paycheck, but it wasn't, I didn't feel like, hey, it, you know, this is this is an exclusive spot. I felt like, hey, I can leave anytime. Who cares? I've, I've, I've got all the cards here. And you didn't have a leader at the time. That's a manager. Yeah. That's a manager that has to make sure their checklist is filled 100%. out. I have X amount of employees here. I'm good to go. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference between a leader and a manager. I feel a manager takes care of the paperwork and a leader takes care of the people and you have to choose which one you want to be because if you want to be a manager that's fine but sit in the back room and do management stuff don't deal with the people have the leader that knows how to communicate with people that can meet the person where they're at emotionally mentally that sort of realm and not come at them the way that they want to. Like I would. <laughs> right. That, that's why you do what you do. And you do it over the computer instead of voice most of the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but with you and your role, and we're, we're not going to dig too much into that because I know the constraints, constraints on speaking on that. With you and your role, you get to FaceTime with people or do video chats, right? So they can associate the, the tone with the facial expressions and get to know you. And I think that's a, that's a human connection that we need now. And it's turned into, let me text my boss, my manager and let them know that I'm calling out sick. So this way I could avoid the tone in their voice when I actually hear them, when I say, I'm not going to come into work today, you know, and that, that connection is missing. And part of the other side enterprise is bringing that back and getting rid of the, the texting piece, I think it's efficient for management style tasks. I don't think it's efficient when dealing with relationships with your team. And it needs to either turn into a voice recorded message, which we listen to, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk has talked about that a lot. I think it turns into either being podcasted, you know, just for your team to listen to so they can get the message through the inflection, inf- inf- Help me out with that word. (laughs) Inflection. Inflection in your voice. So I think it goes back to your team hearing in your voice, your passion, your mission and your values and everything coming out when you speak versus text where it's so easy to misinterpret the vibe, the intention, especially if your employees don't trust you or have that relationship with you. So if you have a team 
and your main way of communicating with them has nothing to do with the human connection, that's also an opportunity too. So we've talked about having trust with your team, having accountability with your team, having a relationship with your team. And then I think another way to put it is knowing your role as a leader. And so that's going to bring us to Simon Sinek, who is my work husband. Again, sorry, Jeff. Um, Leadership is not a rank. Leadership is not a position. Leadership is a decision. Leadership is a choice. If you decide to look after the person to the left of you and look after the person to the right of you, you have become a leader. And if you're able to, here's, here's where I'm throwing in my piece to that. If you're able to look after the person to the right of you and to the left of you, that means that you're not in front of somebody, that you have joined the ranks with your team to go through the good times and the shit with them, not to find it ahead of them, not to follow behind them and and jump over it. You're in it with them to win it with them. And yeah, I think you said it perfectly. Uh, it he doesn't say to the person uh, below you, right? Looking after the person below you or behind you or ahead yeah. of you, leading the You're in it, and I think that's what I've learned in my career I'm probably like (laughs) when I think about it um not Glenn Close uh I think I'm the Meryl Streep of careers (laughs) because Meryl Streep has been in so many movies right and she's been nominated for all these various awards which she probably should have won more than she has and you know I, I started out by and I guess drawing pictures in my front yard, which I shared before and selling them for 10 cents, having the babysitter's club, working while I was in high school because you were able to work during school and you could take your study hall or your lunch period and you can make copies for teachers or staple things or whatever. So I was working while I was in school because I wanted to buy a wallet to put nothing into. Um, I worked at the bagel shop and I did that, you know, on weekends during school. I worked at a pharmacy Um, both in the pharmacy, studying to be a pharmacy tech, and then working on the floor. I worked in clothing. I worked, (laughs) I've had like all these various jobs. My, My point being is that I've had an opportunity to learn from great managers and also great leaders and also shitty managers and shitty leaders. And with this, I think with Simon's quote, It's so impactful to say that you have to be in it with your team. And that's what makes a great leader. If you're willing to learn with your team, to be vulnerable with your team, to be authentic with your team, you will always have a team. And if a falling star is falling, you'll either notice it right away because you're in it with your team to be aware of what's going on in your surroundings Or that person will feel comfortable enough to come to you and let you know, hey, this is what's going on. I got this in my life. Or this is how I'm feeling at work. And you can grow from there because they brought that opportunity to you. I think we summarized it pretty well. And um, yeah, so if you do have a falling star, I think in summary it's your fault no uh, it's (laughs) yeah and that's so that was something else that I wanted to say too so when I said as a leader that you have to own 
your own choices, whether you influence the team for, you know, whatever you were going on, whatever you had going on in your life. And that that brought that influence to the team. You do not own it when you say I shouldn't have hired you. <laughs> so if you didn't dig in in that conversation and you hired the wrong person because they gave you canned answers and you weren't aware enough to look into it, don't own that to the person that you're talking to. What you do own with them is still leading them and doing your best to find a position where they will grow and they will become the best that they can be at that point. And that may not be at your company, and that's what a great leader does, right? So if it's not at your company, it's helping them discover their best self and where does that shine in their life and who can they shine with in that company. So to sum it all up, I think it's being authentic, it's being vulnerable, it's being a team player, And it's also having a strategy of trust with your team and going back to being vulnerable and empowering your team because you have to let go of being a manager and and be a cheerleader at that point. So stay tuned for our next episode, which will be part two from the employee side of you for um, our next podcast. And thank you for listening to TOSC. The Other Side Enterprise, and we will see you soon. Don't forget to subscribe and share. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share. We'll see you next time on The Other Side Enterprise.